0: and welcome to the We Are CCA podcast. My name is Alan Fernandez, and joining me is my co-host, Jake Ramsey.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode.
0: Welcome back, welcome back. We certainly hope you've been doing well and enjoying this fall season and staying warm in the surprisingly colder weather experiencing towards this end of November when we're recording this episode. <laughs> um, but we're super excited to be here for this episode. We have two guests with us today. And we're going to be discussing a really, really awesome topic. But let's go ahead and have our guests introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Nate Fowler.
2: I uh, teach sixth grade social, well, world cultures and geography now here. And I've been working here for 10 years coming March 1st.
3: I am Melissa Davis. I teach world cultures and geography as well. So sixth grade, prior to that, I taught eighth grade and I've been here for eight going on nine years.
1: So we have a bunch of wily veterans with us today.
0: That we do. So first off, before we even begin, thank you both for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to have you guys with us for this episode.
2: Sure.
1: So what we wanted to talk about today on the podcast was um, one of the conversations that, that I tend to have with students and families as they come in brand new to CCA is, is CCA for me? Uh, can I make this, how do I make this work best for my student? And so what we wanted to talk about today was taking uh, the the four sort of, you know, most popular learning styles um, and and, you know, learning strengths and really matching those to the resources and instruction available here at CCA so that those families that are listening can identify what type of learner their student or is, and then what types of things they should do and emphasize here at CCA. So that's kind of the premises, the premise of the, uh, of the podcast today. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go ahead and go through some of this. I thought having two teachers, especially two veteran teachers that have been around long enough to know exactly what resources are available um, and have worked with students long enough in this environment uh, at our school to really be able to provide some of that feedback for the families that are listening. So, um, so we're going to focus on the four uh, four areas of, of of learn types of learners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's called VARK V A R K. There's visual learners, auditory learners, reading and writing learners, and then kinesthetic learners. Yep, that's um, right. Okay, I, I, <laughs> sometimes I never know how I'm pronouncing things. Right. So let's um let's first focus on the visual learners. So if I have a student and I've identified that they are a visual learner, so a visual learner is somebody who um you know they they best learn in a sort of a holistic process where it's uh, start to finish, not kind of broken into like piecemeal. Um, obviously, they learn best through like graphic uh, depictions, s- the use of symbols and visual aids, um, charts and diagrams and stuff like that. So those are the kind of students we're talking about. Um, so if I say that I have a visual learner, what would you recommend as far as successful strategies and resources that are available for those students?
3: Okay.
2: Um, one thing I suggest are uh, graphic organizers. Um, if your teacher does not provide them, you can always learn how to create your own uh, graphic organizer. Uh, they're very important, especially um, things like KWL charts, because I think the most important thing here is understanding yourself as a learner, reflecting, and knowing how you learn best so you can take control of your learning. So, for example, if you have a KWL chart, you know at the beginning of the lesson, you can jot down uh, what you know about the topic what you need to know and questions that you have. And if you don't get them answered in that lesson, you can always research these answers later. And that like that right there monitors yourself and your understanding what you need to do as a learner instead of just having the information given to you.
1: So when you say graphic or organizer, what describe that a little bit, what is a graphic organizer? These
2: are just charts like uh, KWL charts. Um, that's um, like the four columns, like uh what do I know about this topic? What do I want to know? What do I, uh, <clears throat> or and then I think one columns, the answers to them and then further questions that you have. And that's a great one. Or there's Venn diagrams where you can compare and contrast okay. um, topics.
1: So it's like a visual, um, visual aid. breakdown of all of the content and what I already know, what I don't know, like what mm-hmm. questions I might have. The answers to those questions and then what I've learned from yeah, that. Yeah, okay. it's,
2: it's nice because it organizes the information for you. Because if you're using your brain, sometimes when you take in so much information, it's all cluttered in there. So this compartmentalizes okay. the different areas. Right. So,
0: And from what I've seen with working with students here in the drop-in center, a lot of times, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the graphic organizers a lot of times can be throughout the whole class, correct? Um, so I find it to be really cool because... I feel like a lot of times we look at graphs and kind of compartmentalize it in that it's just for this lesson or just for this topic, whereas the graphic organizer, it's the entire course in its entirety. So the student really has a almost like a personalized timeline of what they're learning through the course um, that works best for how they process information and process their learning style. Um, So I think that's a really, really awesome part of the graphic organizer uh, that for a lot of courses, it's the entire time. So they Mm -hmm. really are tracking what they're learning in a way that works best for them.
3: What
1: about you, Missy, what would you What would you say?
3: So I probably have a little bit of a different approach that's maybe not quite as normal, if you wanna say, but I always suggest <laughs> um, sticky notes and taking notes on those sticky notes. And I don't mean writing out paragraphs. I mean, like, write your key vocabulary words on there, maybe draw a picture beside it. But then what I like to do is, I like to stick them all over my wall just because when I'm getting ready in the morning, they're right there. You can take a look at those notes. You can see that word. You can see the picture that goes along with it. Um, for me, I really find that it really helps you remember those things as you're looking at it, but it's also kind of incorporating writing, which is going to help you remember things as well, but in a fun kind of a little bit more creative way. Um, so maybe a little unorthodox, but that's one of the things I always suggest.
1: Hey, we like to think outside the box. So, uh, any anything to help students is 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 good. Um, now, do you do you would you advise students to sort of do that as they're maybe in guided instruction in live classroom, or is that something that they should really focus on doing as they're working through lessons independently on their own? Like what, or can they do? Can they do a little bit of both?
3: They can absolutely do a little bit of both. Um, when I'm in class. I want the students to be engaged in it. So if they're taking notes and drawing pictures, a lot of people like that doodling, then you're, you're still learning. You're still being actively engaged in that information and then just kind of pop it. You can also like sequence them. Then if you want to create your own timeline on the, um, on the wall or whatever you want to do, even if it's just on your desk or wherever it is, it just kind of gives you something to look at, to see and really explore. But When you're doing it independently as well, I think that's also really important because you can do it at your own pace if it takes you a little bit longer, you know, whatever.
2: I think the biggest thing, too, is understanding yourself as that learner, I'm kind of repeating, and uh, taking control of your learning because you know yourself best and take uh, the necessary measures to make sure you uh, learn this information. So uh, going above and beyond and doing that stuff independently uh, will help that.
1: And would you say that CCA is a school that um, would be a, a, a good fit for a visual learner?
3: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. In, what, in what ways? Well, I mean, I think with visual learners, you it's, it's, it's always going to be how much you put into it. So if you're willing to put that effort into saying, okay, I know that I need to be able to see things and I need to be able to actually... Um, kind of work with that material. It's just it's working with your teacher if you're not sure even where to start and say, okay, what can I do? Do I need to look more at some graphs? Can my teacher help me find those graphs or those charts or maps or just different things like that?
2: Or even PowerPoint slides if uh, you're in a guided lesson or something, and you'd like a a visual from the or a, a printout of the slides, you can ask the teacher. I don't know a teacher really that would refuse that. So. Um, You know, they can send that to you and you could have each lesson perhaps independently organized.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to move on to the next type of learner, which is auditory, which I actually would classify myself as in a lot of ways. So auditory learner, based on on that term, is a learner that really, really connects with listening, with hearing. Um, And actually not even just that, whereas auditory learners are fairly two-way in that it's not just them hearing, but them also vocalizing and talking, discussing in group settings or individual settings, but that ability to vocalize uh, in both a receiving and delivering standpoint. Um, So these are the learners that really, really thrive in that facet. Um, So in what ways have you guys in your experience worked with auditory uh, learners and uh, provided them certain resources that adhere to that learning style?
3: Um, I know for me, I'm a big proponent of having the students problem solve out loud. So I'll give them a problem in history Mm -hmm. and say, okay, first off, how would you have reacted as that, that person in history? And then how do you think they reacted? And then explain to me why that is the case. So I'm a really big proponent just because they're actually hearing me ask the question and give them that background information, Mm -hmm. but they're actually doing all of that problem solving. Um, I'm also very big into them, the students interpreting the material and letting them communicate with me what the issue is or what that historical event is. So that's one of the, the ways that I do it.
1: So almost have them sort of process it through their, Mm -hmm. through their mind out loud.
3: Yes. Okay. I like that.
2: Um, I was going to say, well, kind of like that with dialogue, um, conversations, discussions are extremely important because uh, you can debate, but also it helps you reach a higher truth of the content Um, and kind of shifting gears a little bit. I'm a big proponent of music. So for me, music is constantly in my head, I think, for you too. Yep, absolutely. And and, uh, so I I will show videos from, you know, that have to do with content. um, And the music gets, is catchy. So the students tend Mm -hmm. to learn that better. Um, Another suggestion I have, if you want to take this uh, to a personal level, is uh, make your own songs. You know, if you have a, a new subject and you're having trouble remembering stuff, try writing out the concept in a song. Maybe you want to make a rap or if you play an instrument or something, write a song on the guitar or things like that. Um, See, when I was a kid,
1: I used to, when I would read, I would, I would read with a song in my head and I would read the words on the page with the melody of a particular song. And it helped me like stay in a certain cadence and rhythm and it helped me sort of stay fluid with my reading because if I didn't do that, I was like, you know, ooh, shiny thing,
2: or yeah. ooh, what was that?
1: Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And but, hum, like humming or even saying it out loud in my head, you know, out loud as I read would help me co- sort of maintain the flow mm-hmm. so that I wasn't getting distracted and that I wasn't. So, mm-hmm. I, I I really like that that advice as well.
2: Yeah, and I, I know some uh, history teachers here when they're teaching like different decades. They'll use uh, songs from the 60s to teach Vietnam or the Vietnam War or, you know, 70s, 80s, whatever decade. But, and that kind of puts it in perspective. They can hear the music, relate it to that time period. So.
1: Now, these would these would not necessarily be students who you would uh, really push to take a lot of notes, right? I mean, if you're trying, if you're learning through, if, if your learning is done through auditory, And through your ears, what you're hearing, you would not want to really necessarily disrupt them by having them take notes as they went along. So they're like, because I know for me, like taking notes and listening at the same time, I can't chew gum and walk, Mm -hmm. you know, so to take (laughs) notes and listen while I mean, that was a real struggle for me at at, in college was I couldn't do both things at the same time. Mm -hmm. I couldn't listen well and take good notes. Right. This is not necessarily a student that you would say, hey, you got to take notes, buddy.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, that's why I, I try to provide like guided notes and, you know, you know, just three or four important things that they need to know from that lesson. And they can focus on that, but listen to what's being said, because I've been in classrooms, too, as a kid taking math notes and oh. I couldn't keep up and I was missing everything at the same time. So. so then
1: guided notes would be a great tool for that, for students who are auditory learners where, mm-hmm. Hey, you know what, just focus on listening to the discussion that's taking place in the classroom. And then yeah. from there, you know, I've already provided you some guided, yeah. guided notes that you can go back and refer to.
2: And even focusing on those one, two, three objectives at the beginning of the lesson, because that's the basic thing you want to get out of that lesson. So.
3: Well, and the other thing is just remember all the teachers record those lessons. So at any point, if you're like, oh man, I forgot that. You can just go back and watch the recording or, I mean, you can engage with your peers and be like, Hey, did you get that note? Did you, what's going on here? Or what did she say about that? Call your teacher. Mm-hmm. We we love to talk to our t- our kids. <laughs> so, um, call us, talk to us. And if that's even a little scary, send us an email, a chat, you know, yeah. we're, we're here.
1: Yeah. I, I, I really feel like this is the one learning style. This is one of probably the two learning styles that sort of fits best in this environment. I'm not saying it can't be done with the other, you know, students that learn in, in different ways, but auditory, I mean, you're going to find a, a really nice home here at CCA because of the way that information is delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you are utilizing those resources like guided instruction, go, you know, go into live classroom and make sure you're having that live interaction or utilizing the the teacher Uh, the recordings from the teacher. So yeah, I think it's a good fit. Um, Now the other thing that I think is a good fit too is the next type, which is the reading writing learner. Um, Definitely uh, you know, if you are a strong reader, you know, the independent independent work that takes place here is probably a great fit for you. Um, Obviously, you know, when we say reading, writing learner, those are students who can take words on a page and really absorb as they, you know, read it to themselves and, probably, um, you know, are maybe not taking notes, so to speak, but internally they're taking notes. Um, so if, if I have a reading, writing learner, obviously would you guys emphasize sort of the independent, like the independent work over guided instruction or a mix of both? Or, you know, what, what would you recommend for a student like that?
2: I think it probably would depend on the individual, um, I, well, what were you going to say?
3: I think it should be a mix of both. (laughs) Um, The reason I say that is because I think it's really important to get that interaction and you can absolutely do the writing and the reading component in a lot of guided classes. For my class, I really try to give primary sources. So those sources that actually happened in history and just let the students read them. And again, that's where I come back to that auditory where they're interpreting it for me. But then you can also be taking those notes. You can be writing down different things. Um, I think it's also really important, though, to work with your um, other teachers. And so for my class, one of the things that we talked about was we're talking about Canada and how Canada um, is today and a little bit about its history. So then we started talking about ELA, language arts, and some of those books, those fiction books that they can read that would explain that and go into even more detail with that information. So that's where you kind of get that reading part too. Mm
1: -hmm. What would you say, Nate?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, I do agree with you. And I was going to say too, like, um, I I don't mean to kind of go off the track here, but with reading and writing learners, you know, um, it's nice because you can always jot notes down, put bubbles, even, um, well, I was going to say pick images too, but that kind of falls into the visual learners, but, um, learning how to take good notes. Um, you could also speak to your teachers about note taking skills and things like that. And, um, but you know, I, I'm always, uh, I always believe a little bit of everything helps, you know,
3: Well, the other nice thing is too, with our uh, curriculum, we have CCA teachers writing it for Edio. Yeah. So they know their material, they know what those teachers and they're, they're really focusing on how those students are going to be learning best with that. So,
1: so these would definitely be students that like the projects like research papers and those types of things would be something that they would actually enjoy Mm -hmm. because it, it allows them to sort of express themselves in a way that they learn best and probably do their best work through that. Maybe not so much taking tests or. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now now I am curious to know for these reading and writing learners. Now we're a cyber school and a majority of our learners are very, very deeply intertwined with social media and a lot of how they communicate is through texting and things like that. And what I've noticed with a lot of students is, you know, especially in the drop-in center, we encourage Uh, students to, hey, actively reach out to your teachers if you're struggling or have a question. And, you know, the chat feature in Edio is a great resource for that. So I'm curious to know, do you two find yourselves at any point going through actual content with kids in the chat and actually typing this stuff out and having a typed out discussion or maybe even your guide instructions or live classrooms uh, through the chat feature on there, Um, having kids really actively engage with the content through text, you know, typing it out and sort of what that experience is like.
2: That's a nice feature. I, I do it a lot. Um, uh, another reason for that is because, say, if I, I call a student and give directions on how to do something, they, um, they may forget. So having it written down right there, they can just go back and refer to that. It's a the, the notes are not going to be erased or anything, so they have it right there. They can always go back and review that.
3: Yeah, I've actually done um, whole projects through the chat feature with some of my students, so it's it's a little tricky, but you just got to get creative and Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think
1: that's important to sort of emphasize is that you you guys have the flexibility and the the the, you know that you've developed as professionals enough that you're able to find ways to engage students in creative Mm -hmm. in creative manners that maybe are not available to them at a brick and mortar type setting Mm -hmm. where you know, we're all taking the quiz on the paper and, you know, well, you guys can have the freedom to sort of do a little bit more than just that. Right. -hmm. So uh, that's kind of the the individual basis too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, now the next type, the kinesthetic learner, that one, uh, I'll be honest with you, that one, um, is I think probably your toughest task here is to engage a student in a hands-on kind of way. Um, and, and I, it can be done. Yeah, it can be done. But I I think this is, this is the one where it's like you really got to dig deep to find, find the ways to connect. I think it's
0: important to define a bit by kinesthetic and by hands-on. So it's with kinesthetic, it's not just the physical touch component of like actually holding something. Um, it's this proactive engagement of all of the senses that you possess So seeing something, even smelling it or tasting it, depending on the project, hearing it, and then, of course, actually being able to get your hands on the actual project or content that you're working on. Um, So I think it's important to really highlight that Mm -hmm. um, because, as you said, and just being honest, this seems to be the most challenging or toughest learner type to to adhere to, not to adhere to, but to work with in this setting. Uh, But that there's more to this learner type than just, actually touching something.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's impossible though. I think that you know, yeah, especially for younger. How do you tackle that?
2: Well, um, depending on the age, I I mean, there are classes like physical geography or physical fitness. Um, and, uh, physical geography, geography. well, Carmen San Diego, um, the, uh, Oh, my train of thought. Um,
0: For today's lesson, head to your local mountain range. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah. uh, Phys ed, for example. I mean, you have classes like that or Mm -hmm. science if you actually have a a lab or something. Um,
0: I
1: think it's it's important, though, to mention that there are, like in the science curriculum, there are uh, things built into the curriculum where you are doing hands-on experiments Mm-hmm. At home. Yeah. And so, yes, we are a cyber school. And yes, you can watch a video of that experiment, but you're going to be given the resources to do it at home, too, if you want. Right. And so we it, that's one of the ways that we try to engage those kinesthetic learners. Mm-hmm.
2: And right. art. I mean, mm-hmm. art, yeah. same concept. So,
3: so this is actually one of my favorite things to teach. I actually think <laughs> oh, sweet. I love to teach this. Um, for me, I do... Um, a lot of options with my projects. So we just had a map project. They could take and color a map and identify it. And to me, that's really boring. I am actually a kinesthetic learner. I'm very much hands-on with everything. So I told them, I went through their art supplies. I knew exactly what they had. So I actually took, used a camera, showed them how to actually create a physical map um, using pipe cleaners and using Play-Doh for mountain ranges and things like that. Let them take a picture of it, send Mm -hmm. it to me that way. Um, I'm also really big into go out and explore your neighborhood, find that history, send me a video, send me a recording or even just tell me about it in class. Um, and then somehow relate it to our class. I give them points for that. Um, I, I do a lot of um I very much can be a big actress sometimes and can be a little <laughs> dramatic. So I will have them use their webcam and they can act it out or I act it out in front of them and so I don't know, I get really excited about this cuz I think there's actually a lot of things you can do with this one. Awesome. You just have to be a little
1: See and that's why you're yeah. here not I'm not the teacher. <laughs> cuz I'm looking at this going gosh, how do you do this in a you know, in a cyber setting, but I think it's great that you know, you find you find ways to do it. So Well
2: I was going to say some, and depending on the content, um, you know, if you can relate it to real world experience, which is really cool, like the Pythagorean, I was building a fence in my yard one day using the Pythagorean theorem. So, you know, if you could just go outside, uh, you don't have to build a fence, but you could lay out a chalk line or something and, and work out a square, you know, based off the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think think that real-world experience component, I think, is really, really important. Um, Well, number one, because as we all know, experience really, really informs us of a lot of things, both from what we know, maybe what we don't know. So kind of approaching that kinesthetic aspect and that, hey, maybe what you're learning here, you won't engage in this kinesthetic way right now in this lesson, but here are ways that you can take what we're telling you and giving you and explore it for yourself and experience it in this way. I do do think that that kind of is a bit of an outside of the box sort of suggestion because you think, you know, if you're going to school, everything you will be learning and applying is in that, you know, in a brick and mortar in that classroom. But in this case, it's in that lesson or it's in that guide instruction or live classroom. But in this case, kind of suggesting that really kind of allows them to take and extend it beyond that border, if you will.
3: Well, I know one thing that Mr. Fowler did. I don't know why he's not telling about this, but he actually introduced (laughs) his students to an Egyptologist who was living in Egypt and let them ask questions. Oh, who? Yeah. Yeah, Didn't (laughs) didn't
1: want to pat your own back, did you? I (laughs) kind of forgot about that one.
3: (laughs) Um, so it's, it's just having fun that way. One of the things I'm doing is we're talking about, um, immigration. So I actually went around and I asked a lot of immigrants to just tell me their story. So we're Mm going to introduce the students to these immigrants. Why did they come to America? Why are they here? Um, we're also doing unboxing videos where we're getting foods from around the oh, world. That's so cool. Yes. Yeah. So really oh my fun. gosh. Yes, that's it brilliant. My Monday. That's awesome. I'm going to show Dude, it my, my class kids on watch these unboxing YouTube that's videos. Exactly that's exactly what, what I just thought. I was like that's it's, the
0: whole subgenre on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome.
3: So, we're doing it. It's actually we just got the final cut done today. Mr. Fowler is going to help us do next, next month's video. Uh-huh. He's, I don't think he's looking forward to it.
2: <laughs> oh, well, depending on the taste of the foods. <laughs>
1: that's so. awesome.
0: Well, well, and that's what I greatly appreciate about a lot of the teachers here at CCA is that, you know, the, co- I think the common denominator I tend to see with you guys and your role is the fact that you really think far outside the box and you kind of take those outside resources and, and. And add them into the classroom and i think ties back into the whole real world experience component so even you know just two weeks ago a, a middle school teacher or one of your colleagues uh, mrs kirsch actually had asked me hey i'm going over midi controllers in music class and i know you dj can you bring your dj equipment since you use a midi controller and i can record you just kind of doing stuff and i did that and she reported back to me said hey the kids loved it. They were like, Oh my gosh, he transitioned from aha. Take on me to Drake. Like what? This is so cool. And so I'm actually heading back for a, a, one of her live classrooms to answer Mm -hmm. questions that kids have about the technology. And they're like, Hey, how'd you do this? Or, you know, why did you pick this song? And so it's, again, they're not hands-on with the equipment. They're not, I'm not face-to-face with them, but they're seeing somebody engage with it kinesthetically, actually engaging in the equipment and Mm -hmm. applying that information so I greatly appreciate the fact that a lot of the teachers here really kind of go that innovative route to really bring experiences outside in there and then have them go back out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And,
2: uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say as a history teacher, too, um, we learn about World War II and all these different wars. And um, there's people right here in, in your community that mm-hmm. have experienced mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. And you can go and speak to them. Uh, and, you know, you can you see how these things are happened affect, affected people right in your community and put them put yourself in their shoes and experience what they were going through instead of just reading about it from a secondary source in a book or something like that yeah.
3: Well, and we also, Mr. Fowler and I also did a field trip to Fort Hunter on an archaeological dig. Oh, and we cool. actually taught right from that dig site. Oh, that's and we were so able cool. to see that, you know, they were able to see their fellow students working mm-hmm. on the dig. We picked up some of the stuff and showed them and kind of explained what was going on. So just, it's just thinking outside the box. That, that's and, a good
2: point too. Field trips uh, offer a lot of kinesthetic opportunities too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. depending on what you choose.
0: Yeah, that's actually very true because we have hundreds of field trips every year. And some, of course, are more, you know, social kind of socialization based. But then a lot of them are also very academic. So that's a really great point and a really cool opportunity. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, And I think it's I think it's important to mention, too, that, yeah, we're talking about all these different types. But I don't think that every student fits in every box for every course. I know for me, um, you know, I'm I'm kinesthetic with a lot of things. But there are other things where I can learn them, you know, through an auditory delivery system. You know, there's, I'm, there, I think it's important that students try to uh, experience things in all four areas to hammer at home. So you get some visual, you get some auditory, you do some reading and writing, you get some catasthenic, and you're developing all types of, of strengths that way. Um, yeah, you might be you might lean heavy on one of them, but you you can experience them all. And for me, it was never one type of learning in one type of class. Like I was very much a reading writing person in social studies, but with science, it had to be hands on because I just I couldn't make the connection. So I think it's important too to explore and and experiment and try. Um, if you are interested in learning what type of learner you are and what learning, uh, learning area you fit into most, there are all kinds of online surveys uh, that you can go access for free and find out, okay, take like a questionnaire and find out exactly what type of learner do you most, re- you know, resemble. Um, and so if parents uh, or students that, that are listening to this have any questions about that, they can always reach out to their teachers, reach out to guidance counselors and ask if they, if there's some resources available to, uh, there's plenty of websites, plenty of places that have this thing available. So, Absolutely. Well, Alan, this is a good one, man. This was a good one. I appreciate you guys coming in. This is awesome. I've been wanting to do this one for a couple of weeks. The idea came to me a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've really been excited to kind of get out and talk to it just because I know that families struggle with that sometimes when they come in. They're, they're like, am I making the right choice? From Is this going to be the mm-hmm. right fit for my kid? Yeah. And um, I think that... It's the, the most, the thing that stood out to me most through the conversation is that you guys will fit, you guys will help them figure it out. Like yeah. the teachers are here to help you figure that out. Like all you have to do is ask uh, for a little bit of help and support and the teachers will be there to just say, yep, yeah, you know what? I think this might work or I think this might work. So right. lean heavy on the teachers, lean heavy on the staff um, and utilize that support that we have avail- available. And, and you guys are a great example of the, the teachers that we have on staff. So thank you.
2: Yep. It's been fun. awesome, man.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you both very much. Once again, it's a great pleasure to have you both with us for this episode and have such a really great conversation about this topic. My pleasure.
1: Thank you. Now, Alan, we need to make an announcement about the podcast, though. So it used to be that you yes. can only find the podcast I'm on so YouTube. Excited. But now,
0: now, now,
1: you can find our ep- the episodes of the We Are CCA podcast on Spotify. Yep. iTunes. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I
0: think for right now. Yes. Yep. <laughs> We're exploring adding it to other platforms as there are a mm-hmm. myriad of podcasting platforms to catch yep. them, but. For the first time we are launching on Spotify and iTunes. So now you will have the ability to just listen to the audio and of course we'll still be posing on Yep, on they'll YouTube, still be on YouTube. So, yep. You know, you can listen to there as well if you've come accustomed to that, but we will be having Spotify, iTunes and hopefully more platforms. And well.
1: I'm so excited that people can actually listen to this on their phones <laughs> in the car without having to leave YouTube, the YouTube app open or, and or get distracted. For YouTube Red or yeah, like that. yeah. So it's awesome. I'm so like, we're safe we're,
0: we're helping you save money, <laughs> and, and keep yourself
1: on the road. so You're not getting distracted. <laughs> Very true. We're down. all
0: about staying safe and staying with money in our pockets.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're really excited about that. We just uh, just are launching that here now. Yeah. So go download Spotify. If you have iTunes, go check us out on iTunes. Well, wait.
0: Actually, we're gonna have to edit this because technically, it's not iTunes anymore. Because oh, okay. Apple removed it. So. <laughs> you can find us on the Apple podcast. App. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So we, we are on there now. So feel free to go ahead and subscribe to us. Just type in we are CCA and it'll be right there in the search. It will pop up right there.
1: All right. Thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. You yep, guys did an awesome day. day. And remember everyone that we are CCA.